Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Ball and Chain uh, podcast. This is our non-scheduled version of our podcast, the emergency coronavirus COVID-19 version where the world is falling apart and the sports world is ceasing to exist version. Uh, we had a separate podcast scheduled for tomorrow uh, to talk about March Madness. And since that's no longer happening, we decided to scratch that and have instead a completely uh, spontaneous podcast to talk about the goings on going ons today. Uh, as always, the podcast is brought to you by Zen Sports, which is the peer-to-peer mobile sports betting app where anybody can create and accept sports bets with anyone else in the world without the need for a centralized bookmaker. And you can download the Zen Sports app at zensports.com. Uh, because this was short notice and we had to throw this podcast together at the last second, uh, Jess Udi, who joined us on our last podcast, has been kind enough at the last second to join us again. And we're going to talk, and it went well last time. So I, and I potentially like to have Jess on as a repeat guest uh, from time to time. So uh, we thought we would throw this together last second. I think it's important uh, to talk about the goings on out there in the world of sports, infectious diseases, and cryptocurrencies because everything is in turmoil. A lot going on right there. Yeah. So Jess, uh, <laughs> did you work today, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, I okay. actually did. And are you working from home or no? No, no, I'm not. So it, it's getting kind of interesting. Is it getting interesting? Are people around you coughing and sneezing and you're like ducking your head every time and putting more <laughs> hand sanitizer on? Uh, it's kind of funny. People are coughing and sneezing, but... <sighs> I mean, this may be bad, but like personally, like for myself, at least I'm not like too worried about it. You know what I mean? I actually think it's, it is serious, like for some people, but uh, I mean, just out of research, I'm not personally like too worried about it, to be honest, I guess, knock on wood. <laughs> let's start with that actually. So let's, okay. let's start specifically with the coronavirus, coronavirus situation, because that is the impetus for everything else that's, else that's been happening in the uh, sports world and in the cryptocurrency world. And, and so why don't we start there? Because I think that leads to everything else that we're talking about here. So my take is probably sounds to me like it's going to be pretty similar to yours, where I believe we should be exercising caution. I believe we should be washing our hands. I believe we should be covering our mouths and nose when we're coughing and sneezing. All the things that we probably should be doing <laughs> anyways and, you know, why it took for this coronavirus situation to happen to be a problem. But I, I've been following the news closely and listening to a ton of talk sports radio and Sirius XM. Uh, I'm a big mad dog sports radio yeah. fan. Yeah. And I, I switched over this morning to Dr. Radio, where they had three doctors on. And they were all talking about what I'm about to say, which is this. It, it's, it's worse than the flu from kind of how sick you can get and the transmission of it. But the reason that the mortality rate is being so overly stated is because we don't have enough test kits, which means the denominator in that fraction that we're dividing the deaths by is way, way, way understated. So if, if the number sure. of infected people was millions of people, which it could be, the mortality rate would be 0.1%, which is what the common flu is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I, I it just the people that it's affecting too. like, it, I mean, going back to my first point, I'm actually like, 
I feel like I'm going to get it. You know what I mean? At this point, the way that it's spreading and how rapidly, I almost think it's going to be like next to impossible to avoid. So my mindset going with it right now is like, I'm going to try to live as normal as possible. And if I get it, I'll deal with it at that point. But just based on what I've been reading, like I'm relatively healthy. And so I feel, I feel okay about it, but obviously, obviously I'm not going to, because I've read the opposite thing where everyone needs to be quarantined. Cause it's like, if I'm going out, then I'm a danger to, uh, like, like older people. And it's, it's hard to like balance, uh, all the different opinions that are going out. But I think your first point where as long as everybody is, is washing their hands and, and trying to not touch each other and touch their face, I think, yeah. I think that's really all we can do at this point because it's spreading so crazy that I almost feel like even if, even if I try to live a crazy life and, and stay away from the light, like daylight, I still think there's a chance that you get it or I already have it. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. And so, uh, so for example, my pool league on Tuesday nights, we've, we've switched to elbow bumps. So we're not doing high fives. We're not doing handshakes uh, exactly. or any of that. But at the same time, as you talked about, the whole quarantine thing is, is I hate to say the word confusing, but it's confusing because, okay, let's say I, I, I don't have it as far as I know. I have no symptoms. I feel great. But let's say I stayed at home and quarantined myself for two weeks. A, how am I going to eat? Uh, B, if I order, if I go to the store, you know, a little bit or I go to a restaurant a little bit, I'm still become, going to be coming in contact with people. And let's say I won't even do that. Let's say I just DoorDash and Postmates it the whole way. Those people that are coming to deliver the food to me have absolutely interacted with dozens or hundreds of people throughout the day. And even if I don't see them and say, hey, leave the food at the doorstep, I'm going to be touching what they touched. And the virus can live on the the paper bag or the containers of food for hours. What am I supposed to do? Eat cold food all the time? So (laughs) I I don't really, you know, what, what does quarantine actually really truly end up accomplishing unless everyone that I come in contact with you know, would have a mask or, and I have masks too. And I, I just, and, and like, I don't take the mask off. Right. So I, I kind of have to agree with you that be cautious and, and, and be smart about it, but you got to live your life. And so yeah, don't, you don't know, don't be, don't be Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get into that, especially because you're a jazz. <laughs> you're a jet. You are ground zero man for this. You are coming to us from Utah as a jazz fan. Uh, well, let's, let's go into that. So, I don't know if you were watching the uh, the Jazz Thunder game yesterday, and I was not watching it, but I got the news right afterwards that the game was canceled and that the NBA had suspended games because, of course, customers started talking about it in our Telegram channel. And then when I started digging and looking at it a little bit more and saw that it was, you know, due to Rudy uh, getting, you know, tested positive for it, I immediately thought of you. And I was <laughs> like, were you watching the game? If so, what was your reaction? If not... How did you hear about it? And then what has been the general overall like reaction from jazz fans and people in Utah? Um, yeah, yeah. So surprisingly, surprisingly, no, I wasn't watching this game. I, uh, I forget exactly what I was doing, but I remember like as the game got canceled, as it happened, I w- my phone just got blown up. I put it down for a few minutes and I looked down to like 20 text messages that were saying Rudy Gobert has the Corona earlier that day it kind of been on my mind because uh, my brothers had sent me a, like a, a message thread talking about how March Madness was going to be played without fans, which I thought was crazy. And I was actually kind of high for that, to be honest. I thought that was going to be super intriguing. Uh, mm-hmm. 
But uh, yeah, when the Rudy Gobert situation went down, I like literally everyone I knew started talking about it. And uh, at work the next day, obviously, that was like the main topic of discussion. And the next day, obviously, like Donovan Mitchell got diagnosed that morning. And so like two jazz players have it based on how contagious it is. Uh, the whole team probably has it. And Literally no, they said that, they said they tested the whole rest of the team and also the Thunder, and it was just Gobert and Donovan Mitchell who tested really? positive. Really? Yeah. Okay, I actually didn't see that part because when I when I found out about Donovan today, I was like, oh man, the rest of the team's done for. <laughs> so yeah, well, um, so Mitchell's locker turns out to be right next to Gobert's. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't know if okay. that had something to do with it or not. I mean, and I'm curious because they say, correct me if I'm wrong here, but from what I've been hearing and reading, uh, it takes like a week or two before you really start developing symptoms. Yeah, the incubation period can vary. I think it's from a few days to a week. Uh, yeah. I think it's completely dependent on every, you know, everybody's own individual body. But I, I just, the second that they suspended the season, which is what I heard first, before I heard about Gobert testing positive, I knew it had to be due to a player or somebody close to the team, like an announcer or something like, or, or maybe a referee that, you know, had contracted it. Otherwise there's no way they would have deviated from the original plan, which was, no um, fans. well, they were having only the warriors said they were not going to have fans here in San Francisco. And that was because partially the team, but also the mayor of the city said no gatherings of larger than a thousand people. But no, they, they there were fans at that game and at the Thunder Jazz game, and they all had to go home. And there were fans at all the other games that so several of the other games that had already started, they let those play out. Uh, and then the only other one that got canceled last night was the Kings game, Kings and Pelicans. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, then they started talking about who had played the Jazz recently, and they listed all and who all the who is Rudy guarded. Yeah, but the thing is, is it doesn't matter. It's because it's not just which teams that he played, but which teams played those teams that he played, and which teams played those teams that played those teams that he played. <laughs> and that's how things yeah, like this spread. True. It's not just true. the actual person you're talking to. It's the six degrees of separation from there that matter just as well. So I'm just like, of course, you're going to have to shut this down. But what's really crazy at this point, so they said that they're not going to play any games uh, or they're going to reevaluate this in 30 days. What's really crazy is they don't have enough test kits to test all of the players. And so the only players they're testing right now are the ones that are showing symptoms and sit and feeling sick. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's, it's actually getting crazy here in Utah. It's blowing up. I people, my, my wife's actually pregnant right now and we were running out of water. I had to go to like three or four different stores to find it. So it's kind of hitting Utah with there. The mayor made an announcement today, our biggest mall uh, in Salt Lake city just shut down. Who knows how long they'll be shut down for, but uh, yeah, ever since they found out it was Rudy and Donovan, uh, Salt Lake has kind of become a madhouse the past couple of days. So do they blame Rudy? Do they blame uh, the team? Do they blame just the situation in hand? Is it getting political? What is the- No, like, no, is it's the- not. I, I don't think anybody's blaming like, like Rudy or Donovan. Most people are just talking about what an idiot Rudy Gobert was for touching all the mics. You saw that video, oh, yeah. right? Ridiculous. <laughs> he should crazy. be suspended or fined and they said they're not going to suspend or find him yeah that is uh it's interesting because he was it, honestly he was just being kind of ignorant it's hard like he was kind of making a joke and i don't know it ended up uh 
it ended up in hindsight being something that is going to make him look bad for a long time to a lot of people though. So Woj on Twitter and ESPN reported that there is now a definitive rift in that locker room among Gobert and everybody else, especially between Gobert and Mitchell. So just, of course, I mean, this is, well, Woj is pretty connected. So anything he says, yeah, I, yeah anything I, he says is probably pretty spot on. Exactly. And so he went to ESPN, which then, of course, made his way to Twitter, uh, that the rest of the locker room is not happy. And he said that it's probably a good thing that they're not, that they don't have any games for a while because he doesn't know if they're chemistry or if he'd be able to play. I think if there were games going, like, for whatever reason, if they continue the games, I think then Gobert would get suspended um, for for the obvious reasons. But I think I think it's kind of one of those, you know, hasn't he already suffered enough type of deals where he's sick. <laughs> That's first yeah, and foremost. Yeah. <laughs> and he's dealing with, a you know, a, an infectious disease and a, and a virus. Yeah. And, then, and everybody hates him now. And everybody hates him. And he did issue what I thought to be a pretty heartfelt apology today. I mean, he seemed pretty contrite. Uh, he didn't seem like he was just uh, blowing smoke up all of our asses on that. So I thought, I, I, I guess on one hand, I can understand not suspending or fining him. But that act of like doing what he did with the microphones in the press room, to me, is exactly kind of why we're in this situation in the first place. Is because yeah. at the beginning, it wasn't taken seriously enough. Now, it's being taken seriously seriously enough but we're way past the point of containment. It's just not going to happen. I mean, there's no way. Yeah. I think one of the reasons for that is we've, we've had, a, I mean, over the past 10 years, I feel like we've had a bunch of these like scares that at least in the United States don't ever really turn into anything like this. You know what I mean? And so I think when people started hearing of another like disease developing in another country, everyone here just kind of treated it as like, oh, it's another thing that's happening out there that isn't going to get here. And now that it is, I think everybody is like realizing that a lot could have been done. Yeah. Now, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but SARS was back in 2003. Uh, yeah, we swine had swine flu. flu. Yeah. yeah, swine flu back in 2009. And Americans, there were Americans that died from that. So it's not like it, we are totally that foreign to that concept. I think a couple of things. I think that the uh, number of cases true cases was actually pretty low. Yeah. And I believe from what I understand, the coronavirus is much more contagious than traditional flu. Mm-hmm. So it's more easily yeah. spread, which means That's numbers. The are- I, I was in high school at the time of the, uh, the swine flu. And I remember hearing about it, like people were getting nervous, but nothing shut down. You know what I mean? Like, like people weren't going crazy here uh, in Utah, like all of the elementaries and colleges are shutting down. I think high schools and middle schools are still there, but elementaries are, are done and colleges are not meeting for classes. So why do you think that is? I have a theory, but I want to hear yours first. Um, if you have one. Yeah. I mean, I haven't put too much thought in that to be honest, but, uh, I don't know. It kind of just hit because the, I mean, just thinking about it the last couple of weeks, it was kind of like an afterthought and it was just a social media meme that you would see posted every now and then when you were scrolling through like Instagram or whatever. Uh, and yesterday when the NBA canceled their season, I think the average American was like, oh, <laughs> like like this is actually something that maybe we should worry about because nothing like this has ever caused sports to cancel. So I, you said a word in there that is my theory. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> and that word was Instagram. And this is the first type of situation like this th- where social media has been a big 
uh, driving force in the spread of news. So I really feel like social media started to take off probably right around 2010. Facebook had technically been around for six years, but the first four to six years were just college campuses. Yeah, I didn't get on right. Facebook until I think late, late, late 2008 or early to early 2009. So all of these, same thing for like the Great Recession that we hit back in 2008 to 2009. I think that would have, the, the panic there would have spread even more rapidly had social media been a bigger player back then. Now, this is the first, what I consider to be worldwide event that doesn't just impact one country or two countries or a few countries that impacts everywhere where there is a spread of something like a disease and where everybody can just, I get, they can just stay in the know and get the constant barrage of newsfeed and every little update that they want from social media. I mean, the, the access is unlimited and there is no just daily news that you watch at 5 30 PM or something like that. And so I, I feel that feeds a hysteria. And, and then you get the, you get the anecdotal cases. Uh, so people broadcasting live now from Italy or that films, you know, things going on in China. So that perpetuates it. I really believe, I do believe still that while I fully am supportive of the move to shut down games, and I said so in, in the blog post I wrote today, which I'll talk about, and I'm fully supportive of everybody being cautious. I do believe the hysteria is on a totally another level than anything else we've ever seen and is unwarranted. And I believe that this is going to ultimately play out to be not as bad from a num from purely from a mortality numbers perspective. Once everybody truly gets tested or we find out the true denominator of that number, we're going to find it's very close to the regular flu. That is a huge problem is that there's not enough tests. Um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Because I mean, I, I feel like I feel I feel like other countries have been more prepared. Now, not Italy, of course, but South Korea. I mean, they're they have had drive-through testing for like the last month, and I believe Ohio is starting to do it now. But what's up with that? Like, why do we not have enough tests to be able to just test for it? I mean, forget the I get where there's no vaccine, and I get that we're you know it's a new phenomenon. But why the hell do we not have enough tests? Well, first off, I do agree. Uh, with kind of what your theory is. I agree that it's been blown out of proportion. Like at the same time, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a good middle ground because I actually think it is serious to the point where, like we've already talked about, I think the preparation has to be there. Otherwise it could get out of hand, but I don't necessarily think it needs to. And I don't I, like at the point it's at, I think the precautions are finally being taken. And as long as people are safe, uh, then I think you're right. Once real numbers there, because I actually think uh, that there's a lot of people who probably have it out there that haven't even bothered to go get tested. Well, like, they can't get tested because there's not enough tests. That's kind of, that's really what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that, that's true too. But at the same time, like there's people like me, like I, I never go to the doctor. If I get a cold or, or whatever, I'll stay home for a day or two. But I, I'm the type of guy that feels like I'm just going to recover from it. And I don't feel like I need any, any help. I feel like there's a lot of people like that out there. And so I feel like there's people that have it that just feel like they have like a, a cold or, or some sort of sickness that are convinced that they don't have that. And so I think, I think that's another part of the issue, but the tests, I honestly have no idea. I don't know what it takes to run a test to be honest. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure why they have uh, a lack. Do you have any uh, idea? on? That? I don't, I don't either. I haven't studied it enough. I do see that it's getting better and moving faster. I just, I think that 
we, and this is a whole separate topic, you know, regarding like our healthcare system and everything. But I think that we just, we don't centralize quickly enough in a situation like this. Uh, so, you know, regardless of whatever someone's feelings are, you know, around universal healthcare or not, in times of crises like this, you know, when you're going to pump 1.5 trillion into the economy, like we are, we need tech. Like that's the most important thing at this point. And I get you probably can't force people to do tests because we have obviously a lot of individual freedoms and liberties in this country, which, you know, you're, you know, people would be screaming bloody murder at if you force them, pin them down, said you have to take this. I do think though, there's a overwhelming part of the population that if you made it easy, like drive through tests, or if you made it easy, like uh, at work, you know, if they offered, you know, on the location testing uh, type of thing. I think that people, I agree with you that they're not going to probably go to the doctor uh, with uh, just something like a cold or a cough. But if you put it in the places that they're normally going to anyways, that they would. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I think what ultimately, and I mean, I'm not, I'm certainly not a doctor, so I'm not saying this from a standpoint of a medical knowledge, but I think what's ultimately going to happen is, the number of cases is going to rise into the millions, but the number of deaths is going to actually still be around the percentage of the common flu, but it's going to vary by age range and by immune system, right? The folks 70 and over that are the most compromised, they're obviously going to have a higher mortality rate than those that are, you know, in their twenties and thirties and forties with healthy immune systems type of thing. And so I think at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I disagree with you. I think I'm I'm a pragmatist and pragmatist, and I feel like taking a middle ground on this of being cautious, washing hands, using more hand sanitizer, avoiding maybe things like public transportation or other large gatherings is smart. But not living your life is is lame. I just you know you're not you're not going to die from it if you're in our age category, and if you're not in our age category or you have a compromised immune system, then you do have to stay home and self quarantine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's a good point. I've been reading online. It's like everybody needs to stay in because like, even if you're, uh, I was reading a few comments of this and people were agreeing and they, they said, yeah, if you're like 30 years old or 40 years old and you're going out living your life because you're not worried about it, you're killing other people. And I think that goes to your point where it's like, if you are in the age demographic that has the highest risk, they should be the ones, I guess, taking the the most precaution because it's hard to tell somebody to not live, live yeah. their life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I agree with you on that for sure. Well, and, the, and the, that goes to the final point I want to talk about, which is like the future and like how long could this theoretically last? So, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm if, a little if, nervous about. I'm worried. I'm worried about like, uh, I, I don't know, like I'm building a house right now. The economy's like going crazy. It's like, it's kind of an interesting time because uh, I read I read a comment the other day that said the real global crisis uh, is in the fact that the coronavirus is going to bankrupt more people than it's going to kill. Yep, exactly. I, th- I don't, I, I mean, certainly we have a medical pandemic on us. I'm not saying we don't. I'm not downplaying this when I say what I'm about to say. I'm not poo-pooing this. I'm not telling uh, doctors or the uh, CDC or who uh, that they're wrong. But I do believe the bigger threat to us is the hysteria component, which is leading to panic, which is leading to, uh, it's going to, and has already started to lead to a huge economic crisis. And so that is really, I think the biggest problem and how long will that last? So if, if people just, for example, stay working at home 
and they don't go out and maybe some of them can't stay at home much longer uh, or they'll lose their job. Or if they don't go to shows and concerts and restaurants and sporting events, and those people that work at those places can't make money. I mean, the ripple effect is just going to be felt everywhere. And then the question is, is how long, like, how long are you, how long is the recommendation going to be to be self-quarantined? How long is the recommendation going, which we're going to talk about in a second, how long is the recommendation going to be to not have people attend sporting events? Um, I mean, what are we going to ultimately be looking at here in terms of timeline? So the, yeah, let's, let's go back to the sports piece here. So the NBA, Major League Baseball and NHL have all, I believe all of them have said 30 days they're going to revisit the situation. So that would be today is the 12th of March. Uh, basically, we'd be looking at April 11th when they'd be revisiting uh, resuming games or not. And so the question becomes is, of course, if, if everything is good then and the curve is flattening and there's not as many people being infected and they start to resume games, okay, great. But what if then it starts up again in a month, Right. Or what if in 30 days, it's still not better? I mean, what are we what are we looking at here? Like six months, 12 months, 18 yeah, months? And that's what's kind of scary. I, I was reading online, uh, this this guy from Korea uh, had posted that, like a lot of people there going on two weeks of no work. And it's like, how long can you possibly like continue that? You know what I mean? Before like, yeah, it's just kind of a, a weird scenario that you're asking here. Well, and going back to your point, and again, you weren't trying to be malicious, but you were, I, I believe you were correct in saying, shouldn't it be more the responsibility of those most likely to be affected in the worst way to be self-quarantined? And uh, why, you know, if let's say, you know, you're 85 years old and you've got health problems or especially respiratory problems, because this is mostly a respiratory disease. Mm-hmm maybe you're the one that's not supposed to be going to, you know, uh, the Bucks Celtics game. Right. And I'm not saying that to be nasty. I'm not saying that to be evil, but the question becomes is like, you know, going back to what you're saying is, is at what point do we all get to start living our lives? And, and I do agree that China did sweep in and, you know, nipped us in the bud, but of course they have a different system, right? Individual freedoms are not okay. And so, you know, they can do that. Uh, whereas we, of course, can't do that here. So, I mean, this this is the part that I think is the scariest, as you're saying, is that, you know, this is going to, I mean, the, the quarantine or the, the removal of all public gatherings and telling everybody they have to stay home. I mean, there literally could come a time where, you know, I mean, people start becoming homeless because of it. And, and so then at what point do you then say, okay, I mean, maybe the benefits outweigh the, you know, negatives in terms of allowing people to, you know, go out and be in public again. If they can't pay for their home anymore, then they're not quarantined anymore. It's going to be, it's going to be just as bad. Right. I mean, I I know I'm giving an extreme example, but if you're going to talk about extremes and going into extreme measures and if people can't make money because no one is literally leaving their homes, then what is that really, is that situation really any better than let's, 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 let's give the, um, the folks that are saying a 3.5% mortality rate to benefit the doubt, which I don't agree with, but let's say it is. I mean, is are we really that much better off with everyone or lots of people becoming homeless and not being able to eat food and then having to be exposed to it anyways versus saying, hey, we are going to put in a restriction if you are above the age of blah, 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 or have health issues 
you know, here's what the rules are. And everybody else, you're kind of yeah, go and, because and like, for everybody else, you're just going to get the flu. Yeah, exactly. And at the same time, it's strong recommendation. You know what I mean? Because it's like, it, it, here's here's what the recommendations are. If you're over X, don't do this. And if those people choose to do it, then like, I, I don't know, because you're right. It's like a fine line that I think a lot of people out there are trying to like, like balance right now. And it's well, which it's is why I brought up the DoorDash example. Yeah. I mean, at what point does at what point does even quarantine not become enough? You could be at home, not ever coming in contact with anybody, but you still got to eat, or you still got to you know get your laundry done. And that does that mean go? I mean, not everyone. So in big cities like San Francisco, a lot of people don't have uh, in unit laundry. So in Utah, probably okay, but here most people have units in the building, or they send. I send out for my laundry delivery with rinse. And so I come in contact with the, with the delivery person. I mean, is that okay? Why, why are we going through the steps of quarantine if I'm still going to end up having contact with any humans who could theoretically pass it on to me? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I don't, yeah, I think you're right. In today's day and age, I don't know if there could be like a true quarantine. And then like in the end, what is a true quarantine going to accomplish because if it lasts longer than a certain time point, then it's just going to do the opposite of what it was intended to do. So kind of crazy. And so going back to the economic uh, situation here, so obviously being a sports betting abs and sports was very directly impacted by all the uh, American sports leagues canceling. So most of the bets now that are flowing, for example, through our app are international soccer leagues that are outside the U S that have not been suspended, which is kind of surprising. Well, but a lot of the other countries have mostly gotten it under control, except for, of course, Italy. So Italy has canceled all Serie A uh, matches. Yeah. So there, so there are no Serie A matches, and it's possible the other countries do too. But you know, if the containment is is solid, it's fine. And but they are playing in front of no fans for the most part. Oh, okay. But so that's that's the part I want to come back to here is: can we just not maybe play these games for two weeks? And then come back to playing them again, but just with no fans. I mean, I, do we really have to not have any games at all for the foreseeable future? Uh, even if we say no fans, I just, that's the one I'm not, I, I agree with you for two weeks with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell getting uh, the coronavirus. Absolutely. Can't play games for two weeks. That makes total sense. That That's a no brainer. Get everybody tested. Let the incubation period go through, get everybody quarantined for two weeks, <clears throat> come back and play uh, in two weeks time in front of no fans, totally understand that. But why are we saying we're not going to play any games for 30 days? And then by the way, we'll revisit it then. And maybe we don't play anymore after that uh, period. I mean, what, why are we going to that extreme is what I'm not understanding either. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I think, I think one of the reasons could be, they just wanted to, I don't know, maybe react drastically to satisfy the majority of the public uh but maybe every intention is to come come back in these 30 days and just start again because i think the indefinite like language is just like trying to let everybody know the seriousness of the situation but like like you're saying in all reality come 30 days we could be looking at a completely different conversation I, I totally agree. I think this is why I was saying at the beginning that I believe a lot of this hysteria has been fueled by social media is because f- fans and the public always need constant gratification via social media. And look, I'm a, I'm a big Twitter uh, guru myself. I'm on Twitter constantly. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not trying to be hypocritical. I mean, I, I love being on Twitter and getting real time, you know, real time updates as well. But I believe like what you just said, that this was to satisfy a public need more than it was actually out of being, you know, medically and health conscious for the players and for the fans. I think this was to satiate the public and make them feel better about the situation. It's, it's, it's just like, you know, not to knock the TSA folks, but it's just like, you know, the security theater (laughs) when you go to the airport, I mean, half of it's a bunch of nonsense. And I feel like this is a little bit in that territory where it's, Hey, let's just make, it's an optics thing, right? We just need to make this look good uh, so that people are supportive of our leagues. And later on in the long run, this benefits us. But I don't think, I don't think more than two weeks of uh, suspended games is more than two weeks is not for medical reasons or health reasons. More than two weeks is for public perception and optics reasons. Yeah, I agree with that. Assuming you play with no crowds after that. I, I, I'm still fully supportive of that. I agree probably not having the crowds maybe for like another two to four weeks after that. Um, so, yeah, so I think. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, so so let's talk about some other economic concerns that this is all having. Uh, so sports is obviously one, but the stock market's been in the shitters. Uh, this is a cryptocurrency podcast. Uh, Bitcoin was down almost 40% at one point today. It started out at a high of 76.57, and at its low point today was at 37.82. It's since bounced back a little bit. It's around 4,900. Uh, I, you know, given our former trading background, I think this is more of a dead cat bounce. Uh, what's called the dead cat bounce, where it's just, hey, there's kind of no other choice for it, for it to go but up <laughs> for it a little bit. Yeah. But I think it's going to head back down. And so, you know, we, we talked about this before, right? Like the biggest concern out of this is, is the economic concern. And so, you know, if that's the case, you know, what, what are, do you have any ideas of things that like we can do? Like what would make you happier from an economic standpoint that you think could be done to like maybe just calm everyone down, the markets down for a little bit? I mean, do you have any kind of thoughts as to what could be done? Because, because focusing our time on sports isn't going to happen because those have been already fucking canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, as far as that, I don't know. I don't know. I think, uh, I think getting the proper testing uh, in place would help because I think getting some legitimate real numbers and it's so new that it really is hard with this type of thing. Uh, but I think getting some real legitimate numbers will at least give people an idea of what this really is, because then I think it will at least, uh, cause less of a panic (laughs) unless it's really is that bad. And then obviously that's more panic, but like you said, it, it probably isn't. And so I think doing the proper testing and getting more data uh, would actually help the economic. I agree too. I, I think the key thing here is getting the real number in that denominator. I mean, a percentage is very simple. It's a numerator divided by a denominator. Okay. For, you know, I prior finance and accounting background coming out here, but <laughs> you know, a, a fraction is just a numerator divided by a denominator. So to get the mortality rate, it's a number of deaths divided by the total number of cases. And you cannot possibly know exactly what the true number of uh, or what the true mortality rate will be if the denominator 
is wrong. It's garbage in, garbage out. If that number is totally way off by a fraction of, could be by a fraction of a hundred or a thousand, well then that totally skews the mortality rate, which then in turn totally skews public perception. And then in turn changes the entire conversation that we're having here. And that for me is, I think the most frustrating thing is my business, my company that I've busted my ass for that I, you know, that we've been growing and scaling and doing well on is now what I believe, you know, I hate to play the victim card here, but I will. I mean, it's just, it's the truth (laughs) is that it's, it's really a function of a lack of getting real data behind the situation. And it's bullshit. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, from my perspective, I think until real testing can be done and some kind of incentive, some kind of incentive, whether it be a premium credit on your, you know, uh, on your healthcare premium every month or reduction, your deductible or whatever it might be, some kind of incentive to get everybody to do it and just realize it's a public good. And that's all there is fucking to it. And we, that's what we need to do. And that's, there's no, there's nothing else that needs to be said. And then similarly, uh, or par- in parallel, I think the sports leagues, I think the NBA, the NHL, MLB, after the 30 day moratorium, I think they need to go. If there's not that, if the tests are not there for whatever reason, cause that's, you know, it's a, it's a government thing. I think the sports leagues need to say what I said a minute ago, which is we're going to start off by playing games with no fans, assuming that goes well and there's no hurdles. Maybe we will allow a thousand fans in to the games and, and we're going to restrict it to, sorry. And again, I know this sounds, you know, ageist, but it's, it's true. It's like nobody over the age of 70 is allowed in. Sorry. We just, or compromise immune systems. Like, you know, if if you're not, if you're not in the demographic that has the highest survivor rate, you just don't get to come in here. I'm sorry. It's, it sucks. And I get it, but you know, the rest of the world has a right to live. And so I think, I, I think that's what should be done because here's the thing at the end of the day, they're doing a lot of what they're doing now, as I said, to satiate public perception, but there's going to come a time where that public perception is not going to outweigh the almighty dollar. And they are going to need to get these games going again because they are losing hundreds of fucking millions of dollars. Yes, they are. So, so what are you going to be doing? Like, I mean, I, I, what, are you obsessed about sports like I am where like you need to be watching a game either every day, multiple times per week or, <laughs> and, or listening to talk radio, sports yeah. talk radio? Because for yeah. me, this is a huge void. I mean, forget the fact that I own a sports betting app. The problem here is I love watching sports and now I've got nothing to, to watch or to listen to or talk about. Yeah, I agree. It's crazy. It's actually really, really weird. I mean, I've been looking forward to a lot of things. March Madness. Uh, there's yeah, a, we haven't even talked about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's uh, an interesting one is uh, Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov for uh, uh, UFC. Have you followed that at all? See, that's the one thing I'm not into as much okay. as UFC, but we okay. are we are going to be adding it uh, into Zen Sports later this year. Okay, I, I'm happy about that. It's a big, it's actually a big fight. They've scheduled five times over the past five years, and for one reason or another, another it never happens, and it's going to happen in like a month. And uh, they're not canceling it. They haven't. Canceled well, it? they haven't yet. They haven't yet. Dana White has been saying that he's like super worried about it, but now all, everyone online is like, as long as those two don't have it they could have it in just the UFC headquarters gym 
with no crowd and just right. the coaches and them. And as long as they don't have it, there's no risk to anyone. And so that one's kind of interesting. And so there's just a lot of crazy stuff going on. And it's like, it's scaring me a little because I've looked forward to this. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about March Madness uh, other than the fact that I mentioned we were going to have a guest on the pod tomorrow that uh, she had, and I was so excited to have a female guest on because, you know, sports betting and sports and cryptos. Oh kind of yeah. She was, nominated. The, she was the girl with the uh, like great bracket last year, right? Yeah. Harpo. Okay. Yeah. So she was going to be on the, on the pod tomorrow and we're just like, what are we going to talk about? Basically, <laughs> okay, well, you're not filling out a bracket this year. <laughs> Nobody's going to have a good bracket. March Madness is literally my favorite time of the year. And so I don't So what I don't understand is why they canceled it. Why didn't they just suspend or postpone it like the other leagues did and say, we'll have May Madness? I, I don't what, get it. I don't get it. I was kind of thinking of it in, in like the lead up and like the school schedule has to continue. And with like the unknown of like how long this is going to last, it's like, I mean, are these guys going to be three years graduated before they get to play the 2020 March Madness? <laughs> like, well, I mean, like, if they don't, if they don't play in the next couple of months, they're not going to play it. No, I mean, for sure. But I mean, they, they canceled it, right? They didn't even postpone. That's what I'm saying. Why did they? I just, I'm like, are they? Why they can't- yeah. If if the NBA starts up again, is March Madness going to say, oh, never mind, uncanceled? I feel like the word they should have used is postponed and like. Maybe exactly. maybe had some June madness or something. Yeah. I mean, they. I feel like they backed themselves into a corner by outright canceling it because now they have no chance. Well, I guess not. I guess they could backtrack on it still, but it makes them look weird. Whereas yeah. if they just said, we're going to postpone it. And then if they get to a point where it's still bad and then they just, at that point, you know, decide to cancel it, it could be understood. But I, I, I just feel like in general, I think, again, going back to the hysteria piece, I think they're just not looking at it from kind of maybe um, a grounded uh, logical perspective. And that's unfortunate because you're right. Like this, this is different than the pros. The pros, you know, they're going to get paid, but these kids, some of them are seniors. They're never going to get to play again. This is their time. Oh yeah. And I think it was, I think it was, was it Hofstra that had the really unbelievable season this year that hasn't been to the NCAA tournament in like 19 or 20 years. Yeah. And now they're not going to get to go. (laughs) Yeah. It really is too bad. It's like, I think, I think once the NBA uh, like shut down their season at the time, college basketball had decided to play them with no fans. And I think once the NBA did that, I think they started getting so much public pressure that they were like, I think they felt like they just had to match it almost. 100%. The second the NBA suspended the season, I said, all the others are going to follow suit. I said, because Everyone's going to come out and say this was the right thing, which was the right thing to do. Yeah. Every, this is this is the right thing to do. We all got to do it. And then, yet, like you said, the public pressure, you know, it's a snowball effect. I mean, there's just no other way to look at it is that, you know, once one does, they're all going to follow suit. And so, no offense, but uh, I'm blaming Rudy Gobert for canceling all sports. <laughs> hey, hey, he's the defensive player of the year and he blocked all sports. So was he also shorting Bitcoin? Is that why? <laughs> hey, I think you're on to something. Is that right why now. he dumped today? Yeah, I think so. I think he uh, I think he just made some good money today. <laughs> He's like, well, if I'm going to be quarantined and stuck at home, I might as well make everybody else miserable right along with me and make some money on it while I'm at it. Let's go hey. into Kraken hey. and short the shit out of this thing. <laughs> Got a question. So I, uh, Mark and I were talking before we uh, we jumped on here and he made me stop asking him questions <laughs> so we could save it for this. One question I asked him that I'm still curious about 
why do you feel that Bitcoin has dropped so much because of this? When in typical, uh, in the past, this has happened a lot. Typically, when the economy goes down, Bitcoin will actually rise up in, a, in like opposition to it. So why do you think it's going down with this as well? Um, I don't know if I totally agree, 100% agree with that narrative that Bitcoin only goes up when the rest of the economy goes down and vice versa. I don't think it's always an inverse yeah, correlation. I, I, I wouldn't say always or only, but uh, sure. I, I think there has been a few times where, sure. where oh, it yeah. has I had a that. big jump during those times. I think in this situation that people still look at Bitcoin. Okay, two things. One is this is a worldwide situation. So if this was maybe just a domestic U.S. situation, I think you'd see people moving money out of, say, fiat, tether, USD into Bitcoin as a hedge or safe haven against the dollar. The problem is this isn't just a U.S. thing. This is a worldwide pandemic and an epidemic. And so there's really no safe haven. So when there's no safe haven, yeah, I guess then you're people, right. I think, by just n- human nature, default to what they know best, which in this case is is a dollar. And I think also because of the volatility of Bitcoin, this is, you know, they don't want to have, excuse me, they don't want to have their money in Bitcoin, lose their job and not be able to buy anything. And I think in a traditional situation where it's maybe an economic thing that drives a downturn, like the real estate bubble in 2008, okay, well, we're going to shift our money out of real estate and stocks into something like cryptocurrencies that are, uh, you know, a hedge against the U.S. market. Well, the problem is here is it's not a U.S. market that's a problem. It's a worldwide human race thing that you can't hedge against the human race, really. Yeah. So I think what everyone is really doing, maybe if there's some alien stock out there, maybe people would be coming <laughs> into that. Uh, man, that's a good idea. We got to get a uh, we got to get an alien. Uh, cryptocurrency token going, but <laughs> <I'm in laughs> and an alien exchange. Yeah, get me in that pre-sale. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know that one might have a good chance. I think people are starting to bet against planet Earth right now. So you know what? <laughs> that might do pretty well. When people say to the moon, it would be literal instead of there. You go. <laughs> yes, they'd be literally saying you're going to the, to the moon. <laughs> Oh man, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing, right? And so what people are doing is just like, okay, I'm just going to hunker my, hunker down. I'm literally going to sh- just keep my money in my checking account. I'm not going to have anything in other assets whatsoever. Also, keep in mind that what mostly drives the stock market and even the cryptocurrency market are large market makers in Wales. And so it's not your average Joe that's buying and selling one or two Bitcoin, although they, of course, are contributing to it. It's the it's the big guys and girls yeah. that are like, hey. Uh, we got to get out of here because you know we've got a lot of exposure. So I think that's a I think it's a big piece of it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's so. Any other? I we so I promised you that this would go no more because I know it's late. We're filming or we're uh, recording this. It's almost 10 p.m. Pacific on Thursday night, March 12th, and almost 11 p.m. Mountain Time. I promise I won't keep you for 45 minutes. We're already on like minute 47. <laughs> Any, I feel like we've only covered a few topics. I feel like you said a bunch more before we started. No, I think this is this is good. I mean, I, I wanted to make sure that we look. Okay, the one thing I'll say is is that I'm actually I'm actually surprisingly in not a bad mood. Uh, I, I mean, I, look, I was I was definitely bummed out last night when I got the news. I think part of it is, is that as a startup entrepreneur, I'm so immune 
to bad things happening and roadblocks being put up. And this is just yet another one that I go, you know what? All right. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I wrote a blog. You know what? The coronavirus doesn't touch the decoin fiasco. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, that was a whole nother. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you've been set through. Of things. You've been through. Yeah. It, yeah, and I don't know if you saw the blog post I sent out. Uh, so I sent out a blog post today saying and shared on social media and emailed it out to everybody, basically with the headline that says "We will get through this." And I acknowledge that everything that the leagues did today to cancel or excuse me to suspend their games was the right move, and that everyone should be cautious. But I said, look. I said, we are not going to let this get us down as a company, but also as just, you know, human beings. We've seen situations like this in the world before. We will get through this, you know, bear down, work hard, rest up uh, when appropriate and, and be ready for when the floodgates do open back up because you know, what's going to fucking happen. People are going to be so goddamn tired of being cooped up in their apartments and in their houses and when that first game gets played, I'm telling you, like, it's just people are, I mean, demand is going to be through the roof, whether it be people going to the game and buying tickets, whether it be ratings on TV, whether it be betting on sports. I mean, people are going to, people hate, people don't want cabin fever. We're human beings and we're social creatures by nature. We are not going to just be like, oh, okay, well, now we can go out and now we'll just stay at home still. I think it's just going to be, I, I, I think you could see a huge huge spike in the economy and bounce in the economy once it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Actually. I mean, when they start playing and there's definitely going to be more eyes on the games that are being played than there was going to be regard either way. So especially if there's no fans in the stands, I mean, people, people will be genuinely curious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be tuning in for all of those. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting with that. I hope the mics are good because hearing like player <laughs> banter and like, and like the coaches and stuff, like it's actually going to be pretty cool. So real quickly, we'll wrap up with this. What do you think will be the impact if we get to games that are played again in empty arenas or stadiums? What do you think will be the impact of no crowd noise on the referees? Um, on the referees. Okay. Uh, the, the other question is like, like, it, like home court advantage. Like <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Cause I, uh, yeah, that's going to be crazy. The referees though, I think, I don't know if it, it will necessarily have much of an effect on the referees. I, I think sometimes they are definitely swayed by the crowd. I think it's going to play a much larger effect on the players who, uh, Mm-hmm. I guess kind of get adrenaline through the through the fact that the crowd is uh, is like backing up, and I think home court advantage is a real thing. And like anyone who tries to argue it, just look at the records. But I uh, but I uh, I think the lack of fans it's going to be interesting because you wonder there's got to be a lot of different things that go into home court advantage, and I guess it would kind of so, show what what kind of part the crowd actually is in that. So 538 did a study a couple of years ago on the effects of home field advantage in the NFL. Okay. And I don't agree with their findings, but they did say that referee bias actually was one of the most uh, resulting factors of home field or home court in, in basketball or whatever. And that's why in baseball, it's less of a thing because there's not really a lot other than balls and strikes. There's not really a lot of, most of the calls are black and white. You're either safe or you're out. I mean, there's really not a lot of judgment calls in baseball and especially with replay now, there's not. Whereas in basketball, yeah. I, I also football, think uh, I also think baseball is 
is a much more like meticulous sport, that's a little harder to feed off the energy of a crowd in. Yeah, true. I mean, when you're talking about like, you know, getting hyped up on defense, you know, football or basketball. Exactly. Or or running out a fast break, you know, in basketball when you got the crowd behind you. Yeah, or not being easier. able to hear, not being able to hear uh right. the snap like snap count. starts. Yeah. 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 And in baseball, like you can either hit the ball or you can't. <laughs> I exactly. mean exactly. the crowd getting loud is really not going to impact that ability. Or you could you could be as pumped up as you want. If you can't hit a baseball, you can't hit a baseball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he could get as hype as he want, but like Aroldis Chapman is is gonna keep hitting 103. The crowd's not gonna make him hit 110. Well, unless they're stealing signs and he knows a curveball's coming and he plants it in the <laughs> left center seats. Hey, 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 but if that crowd's screaming, man, he's not gonna hear that garbage can in the background. <laughs> oh, so the fans are in on it too, huh? They were keeping extra quiet during his at bat exactly. so he could know what pitch is coming. <laughs> Look into it. <laughs> uh, last thing I'll just say here is, as as a Bucks fan, I cannot believe if they if they for whatever reason end up not resuming the games for whatever reason, if the whole entire oh, no. season gets oh, canceled. No. Don't go where I, I think you're going with here. I, I don't know if I can come back and watch again next year. I'm okay. not kidding. Okay. That's what you're talking about. I thought you were pretty well, much. I did, what do you think like, I was going to say? I thought you were going to say, cause they're pretty much like guaranteed a championship this year. They're obviously the best team. Well, they are. Wait, wait, well, I mean, well, I don't yeah, know. I, they're, I think the, I think they're guaranteed they're to go to the finals. Yeah. They're guaranteed yeah to go that's to the finals. true. That's true. Yes. But no, but I mean to, to go to the to, to to be guaranteed to go to the finals and have I'd say a two out of three chance to win a title. I mean, come on! I just you know, and and to, to have that taken away would just be so unbelievable. I mean, it would be just such a Milwaukee thing that to have is happened. True, to be honest, because <laughs> uh, jokes aside, they obviously are the best team, and uh, yeah, yeah uh, it would be hard because if they have to start over next year and there's no NBA title winner this year. Like, how do you even, I, I don't, yeah, I agree. I don't even know how you do that as a player. That's got to be yeah. unmotivating. And I mean, the totally. fan, if, if they start playing good, you know, as a fan, like come playoff time next year, you're obviously going to get hyped again, but regular season next year is going to. I wouldn't lack. even pay attention to the regular season. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't even do it. Yep. I'd be like, I don't give a fuck. I'm serious. If that's the case. Cause I love, I, I still am actually a big regular season proponent. I still love regular seasons because I do believe Going through that grind shows a lot in a team. And of course, getting home court advantage or home field advantage, whatever sport it is, is important along with matchups and, and everything else that come with it. So I actually do care about the regular season. I am totally in favor of shortening the NBA regular season to 70 games, maybe 65. And that's where we're at for most teams are around 65, 66, 67 games or whatnot. So if they, if they don't play for the next month, and that just means they don't play the last month of the regular season, but then they pick back up with the playoffs... I, I can live with that. That's fine. I, I don't yeah. have a problem with that. Yeah, I yeah, uh, I would support that too. But if they don't, if they don't, if they just like don't play at all the rest of the season, including playoffs, and don't have a champion, that's, there's no that's, way. There's no I, way they do that. Just keep the players quarantined. They're like now, there's a quarantine you can do. Like like don't put right. them in like test everyone. They have the money for it. Uh, yeah. There's not a huge demographic, so keep them quarantined. Take them in a freaking bubble to the stadium and they'll have to live by the quarantine if they want to play. You know what I mean? And which obviously they do. Every one of them is playing to, I mean, for the money one, but then obviously they want to win a championship. Exactly. And so I, I think I, I do agree with you. I think the worst that it comes to is 
playoffs with no crowds. I think that would be the worst case scenario. I don't think they're going to uh, cancel the entire playoffs. No way. Too much, too much money at stake. Way I mean, too just, much money. Well, there's too yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, I don't care what is happening. The TV rate, the TV ratings, or the the TV deals, I should say, you know, would would dictate that alone. So, all right, man. Okay, we're past an hour. I really appreciate you coming on last second. This was awesome. You were awesome. Uh, wish it was under better circumstances. But <laughs> hey, next time it will be. Well, I, fingers oh. crossed. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We made the we made the most of it. Turn lemons into lemonade, as we always do. And yeah, just appreciate your time, man. We'll talk soon. Let's get some games going and uh, stay safe out there. Okay, sounds good. You too, man.